Good morning. And Happy New Year. Good to see you. I hear there is an accident. Oh, you're here. I heard there was an accident on the highway. Oh, it was a slowdown? You're just late. Is that what I heard? <laughs> I was going to pray for you. I heard that. So well, let's not pray for them. I am um, recognizing that this for the Arlington Woods Church family, which I'm a part of, is a year of transition. And so I'm praying that 2024, 2024, we don't write checks anymore, so you're not making that mistake, but it's 2024, just so you all know. And I'm praying this would be a rich one, a rich one. We're moving from a place of health as a church family to something new, something special is what our prayer is. So I'm praying with us, we're praying together that God would do something really special in the life of this church in 2024 and in your life, in your journey with God, towards God. I was, um, this summer, I was in my office, which faces the front of uh, the street, and um, Car- I heard noise outside. Carlene was gardening, but she was obviously speaking with someone, and, uh, and, and then there was no speaking, and then the door opened, and she excitedly came in, because she's kind of like that, came excitedly into the office and said, uh, quick, quick, come out here. So I do what she told me to do, and I came out, and, and uh, there was, she introduced me to a French couple. And uh, she said, this is my husband, Cliff, because speaking louder with French people is better for her when you... And I'm French. So we started speaking, and uh, they, they had docked their boat at the canal and at the locks, and were spending the night in Merrickville, and, and they had their bikes, and they were just going for a bike ride. They, got, they wanted to know if we had any recommendations. We had a really nice chat, the four of us. And Carlene's doing great with her French, by the way. I love, I love by the way, that we do that on a Sunday morning, that this is, this is very unique. I, I've not experienced that anywhere else in Canada, that... Uh, the church has been this intentional about doing that. So I, thank you for doing that. Um, so we, uh, we had this conversation. It was comfortable enough that Carlene said, well, why don't you come play baseball with us tonight? We were playing, our little village has a baseball league and always looking for players or better players than what we have. And uh, they looked athletic enough. And so uh, she invited them and they came. And uh, we picked them up and we had this really great visit and we became Facebook friends and we continued to be Facebook. But a month later... They invited us on their boat. So we got on their boat. Now, you need to know that we, we did talk about uh, what we did for a living. I said, I'm a bishop, an évêque. And she said, a what? With some expletives behind it. And uh, that was the extent of our religious conversation at that point. Okay, that was all that we, we talked about. So we got on their boat. It was a lovely ride on the Ottawa ride. Do you say ride in a boat? Yeah? Nice ride on a boat uh, down the Ottawa River. And we, got, we parked. Do you park in a boat? Uh, behind the parliament buildings, and they served us lunch. So we had this lunch, and she said, okay, now, what is your religion, she said. And so I I started saying something about our faith, and she said, no, first, the free Methodist part. So we talked about what free means and that story just a little bit, and just obviously started talking about Jesus, and we talked about Jesus, and she just, just tearing up in front of us, and she said, her name's Manon, his name is Manu. Try that one on, Manu and Manon. And Manon said, I want that, she said. I want whatever it is you're describing, she said. And so the rest of our boat ride was all about talking about prayer and what it means to have this relationship with Jesus. I, I, I don't know what this last era is going to be called. 
I don't know what history books are going to call it. I, I think McDonald's era is a good one I heard because it was all fast and convenient and, and non-complicated. We're into a new era, and, and I really do believe what happened here is being discovered and found out to be really empty, and I think you're going to hear a lot more people say, I want that. If it's real, what you're describing right now, if it's really going on in your life the way you're talking about it, I want that. And I, I think this church is poised to be able to be bringers of what it is that Manon wants and is pursuing. So what I'd like to do right now is we're moving into this year of transition as we're talking about a new era, as we're recognizing that I really do think the culture wants what it is that you and I have for real now. I want to I pull back the curtains. You know in uh, Wizard of Oz, you know that scene where they finally get to the wizard and... Uh, and Toto, they, they meet this, you know, the, the wizard, great big head on the screen and the smoke and everything, and Toto's off to the side. Remember what he does? Pulls back the curtain, and you see this little old guy pulling levers, and it's all, something going on behind here that's really not. I, I want to pull back the curtain, and I want us to see what really has been going on, what really is going on, and what the opportunity is we have, because what is true is what Manon wants, what we know here, what it's our experiences in this church family. So Genesis chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, Genesis chapter 3 is where we're at. Now, there's really, I want to set the scene. Like, there's really good debate whether there were three characters in this original first scene or if there was just two, the snake and Eve. I, I believe because of the evidence, there's just two people here. This is a historical moment. Uh, and and what, I, what we see here is there's a snake and Eve, and the guy seems to come into the conversation just a little later on. I want you to note this because, first, first of all, someone said this to me uh, not too long ago in a conversation. They said, you want to know how I know the Bible is a myth? A woman has a conversation with a snake, and you guys think it's real. And she doesn't react to it, by the way. And, and you need to know that everything is new at the beginning of this in history. Everything is new. So a cow mooing and a dog barking and a cat meowing and a turtle um, turtling. <laughs> turtle. You know, I looked at you and it just, I, what else came out of there? A turtle is turtling. Anyway, that was all new to her. So all of it would have been wonderful and marvelous and fresh and new. So no way would she react to that. And could an evil force, could Satan show up in a snake? Why not? And do we really have trouble with a Satan? This guy asked me, and I said, for sure I have no trouble with it. I was just in a conversation right before I had that conversation with this new friend. I had just been in a conversation with a fellow by the name of Kevin Austin. He works with people that are trafficked around the world. He said, I have no trouble understanding Satan is alive in this world when I hear the stories that I hear. And I know the voices you experience and the pushing in your life that goes on. I have no trouble seeing Satan in this world. In fact, I, I don't know what I would do if there was no Satan in terms of explaining some of the things that I see going on, the depravity that's, that exists. So no, there's no myth going on here at all. This is a historical event. Eve is engaged by this snake, and she is alone. What was the first not good thing in history, in the creation story? Do you remember the creation story just a page before? So God created, and at the end of the day, he stopped and he evaluated what he had done, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he said at the beginning of the first day, it is, it's good. 
and then the next day it is, and then over and over this happened, and then one day he said, it's, it's not good. What was not good? That man was... Now, I know that's been preached in services to do with marriages, and I'm sorry about that because that's probably not the primary purpose here. For sure, it's good that man and woman find each other, but singleness is not not good. That's not what's being said in that passage. That the man was single, it's not that God said, whoa, you should never be single. That's not. This has more to do with the new community, with the new, the species was a species of, of one. That was not good. And so I will form around you community. And that's the language in this text. It's technical, but that's the language in this text. And what God was saying in that moment is, not alone is bad. Being alone, I'm sorry, is, is bad. Aloneness, not singleness. Singleness is sacred. If you've ever heard otherwise, I'm sorry. Marriage is sacred. Singleness is sacred in Scripture. But being alone, God was saying, I don't want that for you. That's not how this is going to work out. And what does the snake exploit? Not alone. No. Aloneness, right? He finds the woman alone, and he exploits that situation. Now, don't you for a moment think that it's because of the woman as opposed to the man. If the man had been there, we'd have been in a much better place right now, right? Just for the record, do you see how this shakes down? He has to have a conversation with the woman, a very large, he has to do this. For the man, all she has to do is present the apple. He says, oh, look, food, huh? You know? So don't for a moment assume that if the guy had been there, this is, that's not what's going on here. There's not a man-woman thing in this situation. What the issue is, is she is alone. And that's not good. And it's not good in your life either. He continues to exploit aloneness in you. In fact, I saw it during COVID. You saw it during COVID. Social media, right, took off. Are you alone or with someone in social media? You're alone. You're taking in this information and you're processing it alone. There's no critical thinking around you helping you sort through what's true and what's not true. And all of a sudden, social media becomes a place of higher learning because you're alone and, and you saw what happened, right? The, ex, the polarized, it, it was goofy, right? And aloneness, not good. And church, you and I, when we read this story, when we pull back the curtain, let's learn what it is to bring this not aloneness into our meno. When we talked about, you know what she said? She said, you know, I'm with, she's a social worker, and she said, when I'm with families that are going through really difficult things and they're Christian, I know them. I know they're like, they're like you. They have this peace and they have people around them and I want that. This, what we share here, this is a responsibility we have to bring out there to invite people to what this is all about, not alone. And in this season, in this era in particular, let's make sure that people understand they're welcome, that they're not alone, that there's something more where they can belong. So that's where the conversation, back to 3.1. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. The question is, did God really say? Did you hear the question? Did God really say? Now, you've heard this taught. You've probably done this study. It's, it's, it's so manipulative, eh? What he did in that moment. So what's the answer? Did God really say that you can't eat of any of the fruit of this? And the answer is, no, God didn't actually say that. He, did, he, he didn't say that. But Satan did it in such a way as to put a cloud over the word that God gave. 
I can do it right now. Want me to do it right now? Let's say, Trevor, so really enjoying getting to know Trevor and Angie. Let's say that, um, you know, you see us talking, so you know that we're friends, and uh, after the service, you're, you're doing what church family does, not alone, so you're thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite them for coffee, or dessert, but dessert, way better, dessert, I invite them for dessert, see if we can score you a dessert by the end of this. So you see us talking, you see me, and you come up to me, and you say, hey, listen, I, invi- I invited Trevor and Angie out for lunch today, and I say to you this, ready, I say, Trevor, Really? What would you do with that? Like, I didn't say much, right? All I did was, Trevor, really? What did I do? Do you, do, you, do you think I've said a little bit more there? Did I put some sort of cloud over a man of God? I didn't touch Angie on that one. Did you see that? That was good. <laughs> but Trevor, really? You would want to go out with... And in that moment, I put this cloud over a man of God. And you think there's more to the story. There's something there to distrust, something there that's just not quite right with that guy, Right? Look at the question that's asked in this text. Did God really lead you in that direction as to say that? And in that moment, a cloud is put over God's word. This, this wedge between Eve and, and God. I, I hear it in the church, honestly. I see people saying things like this in the church. Ready? I hear, I hear Christians saying things like, well, that's just Paul. Paul the Apostle, that's just Paul. He's a misogynist about the Christians, about the Word of God. Or that's just the Old Testament. We don't really deal with that, you know. Or I'm only into the red letters in Scripture. That, that's where I live. And what have I done with the Word of God in that language when I've spoken disparagingly about a sacred text? We don't worship the Bible. But this is a sacred text. It informs who we are and what we're all about. And I know the press it gets. You know it too. In fact, I've, I've, it's been, there's been moments and conversations where, I, where I've wanted to step away from Scripture because I feel like it's become less relevant to people. Do you see what happened in that conversation to me? Where somehow someone put a cloud over this. This is healing and therapeutic. This is, this is redemptive and loving This is the stuff of wholeness, the Word of God. And I'm sorry, church, where we've allowed another narrative to exist, where this is old and irrelevant and and, and old, whatever else that is being said about it right now, where it's hate literature. It's gone there, too, hasn't it? It's not true. In fact, when you lean into this Word, and there's difficult portions of it, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. And there's difficult portions in it. And it does mean that you and I would have to allow it to wrestle more into our lives. But this is sacred. And as a matter of fact, Manon more than ever needs you and I to bring something that is true to her. And this is what's true. And so our opportunity is to remember that this word is our word to bring to our community. And don't shy away from it. It's, it's loving. It's redemptive. It's healing. It's the stuff that'll change your life. Back to 3-1. So let's play this game. Ready? What if she wasn't alone? Because alone bad, right? So what if the man had been with her? Do you, do you bring someone with you when you go to a doctor's office? Why would we bring someone with us to a doctor's office? To hear, right? To hear the nuances, to help you process what's being said, right? 
what if the man had been there? So I'm not saying man good, woman bad, he would have made everything right. I want you to hear it's in the not aloneness piece. So what if the man and woman were together? Is it possible that together they would have heard what was being said and, and responded, saying things like, well, actually, Snake, that, that's not what God said. That would have been a good answer, right? Or, Snake, where'd you get that information anyway? Like, you said, did God really say, well, how'd you hear that? What would the snake's response have been to that one? Well, the bunny. The bunny told me. Bunny didn't tell you. Bunnies don't like you, Snake. You know, that's not where it's coming from. So where's it coming from? Or what about this? What about this? What if together they'd heard the question, they looked at each other and took a moment and breathed? Because that's what church family does, right? We, we help each other hear scripture. We help each other understand what's going on, what the snake is actually saying. Because you know the snake is still active. That's why we're pulling back the curtain, right? What if together they had had this question? What if they had responded this way? Um, snake, you're asking a good question, but instead of talking about God right now, let's include him. He's in the garden here. God, could you come and respond to the snake for us? Here, God, this is snake. Snake, where'd you go, snake? Because that's what he does. When God moves into the story, what happens? Snake has to go. Church, I want us to hear this as we pull back the curtain, that this is the stuff of prayer right here. Where instead of talking about him or talking around him, let's go to him. That's the stuff of prayer. Recognizing what's going on, pulling back the curtain is the stuff of prayer. That snake is still up to what he's been up to since the beginning of time. He still asks questions like this in your life. Still saying, did, did God really, or does he really mean that he heals? And is there really going to be hope? Or is there, or, or you know, you really aren't worthy of being in this room right now? You know, everyone else is so good, but not. That's, you know those voices that you hear? Just turn the wheel into the oncoming traffic. It'll be over. Where's that voice come from? He's still up to it. And prayer, the response church needs to be when you hear it from someone else, when you see it in someone else, what's the response? Let me, let me just bring you to the Father here. Can we do that? He's here. And let me bring you there and let's you and I meet him together. Can I do that? I really believe that evangel. you know the word evangelism? It's bringing good news, and we've, we've done it traditionally, and it's good. Don't, don't hear me speak here. I'm not speaking disparagingly or negatively about it. Remember the little tracts we used to hand out? That's fine still, I'm sure, um, in some context. But I really believe one of the most uh, effective ways of evangelism, telling about Jesus in this next era, is for you to be brave enough to say, hey, can I, can I pray with you? Can I, can I do that right now? Can I just, and, and pray with them. Don't do a 75-minute prayer with them necessarily, but saying, I want to introduce you to the Father. Could you come here? Instead of talking about him, could I just introduce you to him and allow God to be God and do the miraculous in that person's life by meeting that person? Do we trust God to show up is a good question you're going to have to ask her for yourself. Do I trust him enough right now that if I prayed with my neighbor, God was going to show up in their life? And if your answer is, I'm not sure, then not alone, my friend. Find church family to have that conversation with. Help me get to a place where I'm comfortable with that. In fact, I get excited about that idea. Okay. She bites the apple, right? The man does too, by the way. I didn't just say she did it alone. 
They, they bite the apple. As soon as they defy God, they reject his word, what enters the world? What, what feeling do they experience right away for the first time? Shame, guilt, fear. When you pull back the curtain and you want to see where shame and guilt and fear comes from, it comes from everything we do that rejects God or that doesn't include God or that moves away from God or that's been broken because of something that has happened between you and another person and that puts us out of alignment with God. That's the stuff of shame and guilt and fear. That happens right at the beginning when we pull back the thing. God's response is what? When he finds out that they're not there, does he yell at them? Does he shake them out of hiding? My dad, some of you know him, he had a great big voice. When he got mad, it was a good big voice. Mom chased me under a bed one day because I had done something bad. My mom there chased me with a broom under a bed one day, just in case you want to talk to her about that later. And I was hiding, and dad came... My dad came home from, um, from work, and, you know, his big voice was, get out from under there, you know? And that, I, it still gives me, you know, I want to get out from under. That, that's the big voice. If this were a movie, you and I would be tempted to write God in with a great big voice. Get out from under hiding. But there isn't that, is there? What does God do with them being in hiding? Why are you hiding? Why... Why aren't you naked? Why did you get dressed? Who told you that you were naked? What did God do? Did he shame them out of hiding? Did he scare them out of hiding? He asked questions. Why did God ask questions? Did he not know where they were hiding? Did he not know who told them they were naked? Did he not know how that shook down? How come Jesus asked over 300 questions? Because he didn't know? What do questions have to do with our opportunity as church? Is there any compromise in what God did by just asking them questions? Instead of just confronting them with the truth, why questions? Because questions did what? They had to stand up and stand before God with their homemade clothes. They had never seen clothes before, by the way. So what do you think that nasty looked like, hey? Did God say, you're wearing that in front of me? There's no shame in this conversation at all, is there? There's God saying, what's going on here? Tell me what's, what you've just done. What was that that the snake did? How did that conversation go. How are you feeling right now? How's that working for you, this decision to reject my word? And then it ends up with him saying, well, you can't be here anymore. This garden is no longer yours in this way anymore, and this is what you've chosen. But there's no shame or fear. In fact, there's a whole lot of promise in this next stage. I'm going to be with you. You're going to be able to find me. We're going to be Continue to move towards a covenant, and one day there's even a promise of a savior. He's going to he's going to deal with the snake, right in the first pages of the Bible. And I just want us here as a church. There's something very special in this questions and Jesus's questions, and it has to do with welcome and hospitality. No compromise in there. Jesus never compromised what it was he believed, but there was engagement with people, listening to people inviting them to have conversation. Pretty beautiful, actually, when you think about it. 
So church, as we're developing what it is to be not alone, part of the story is to respond and be responsive to each other with listening, really listening. Because how does it feel to be asked a question by someone important? Like when, I don't know who you've met that's important, but let's say Tim Priddle asks you a question. That's important, right? How does it make you feel? Like Tim's asking me about wood. How would that make you feel? What's Tim been doing? Right? <laughs> it would make you feel special, right? It would make you feel like, well, Tim's listening for my opinion on this. He's, he's hearing me. He wants to, I want you to hear God asks questions. He asks you questions, and you and I are to be questioners. People that ask questions of each other to hear each other's story, to walk them towards the Father. So what kind of church does Canada need in this season? What's it look like? Well, obviously Jesus-centered, right? That's part of our mission statement here. But it's got to be prayerful. We're going to go to the Father and go to the Father and go to the Father. As I prayed one day for a, um, uh, for a vision, a picture of what prayer is all about, I was just asking him, just help me understand the fullness of prayer or more about prayer. I just saw a picture of ocean. It was just this ocean, a great big ocean. And uh, I, I was just dipping my toes in the ocean. I, 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 at this stage in my life, I'm not even at a place where I'm swimming in the ocean yet. There's just so much to what Scripture describes as our opportunity in prayer. And our church in this era, I think there's this opportunity to discover the more in prayer. Because there's so much more than what it is that we're up to. And part of the, the prayer is understanding that snake is active. We don't have to be, we don't have to be preoccupied with them. We just have to pay attention to them. That's all. And when we see them active in each other's lives, let's, let's just, curtains open, right? Let's just make sure that we're saying, hey, let's go to the Father on this one. And because where, where Christ is invited into the situation, where Jesus is, Satan needs to start to pack his bags. That's part of the church going forward. God's word, we need to remember, because Manon needs to hear it. This is healing. This is hopeful. This is the stuff of eternal life. This is the stuff that shapes and, and informs your character and your person. This is not hate. This is absolutely love. And with the twists and the turns that people have done and hurt and damaged and done, tried to do damage on this, you and I are the people that say that's not true at all. What goes on here is life-changing, life-giving, transforming. The church in this next season is all about inviting. In fact, you need to take that responsibility on. If this is church family, then you and I need to learn what it is not to be alone. What it is to, to build into that, to take the responsibility and invite Trevor and Angie out for lunch, you know, and get to know each other that way. You remember in the old days when we used to have coffee together and desserts and meals after church? And Remember that? Let's reignite that because there's something really special in the meal that you and I need to re remember. And this place needs to be a place of peace where we ask questions of each other, where we li really listen to each other. Not to compromise what it is that we believe. There's none of that in this story from God or in Jesus' questions. What it is is you and I engaging with people, hearing their stories, knowing, helping them understand their value, you know, to God, to us, and that's the stuff that Manon was excited about, right? That, that she really wants. So let's pray towards that. Can we pray towards this stuff? Let's pray. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, first of all, for asking us questions in this room. You've done that in our lives. You've asked us whether we would choose you 
You asked us this morning, are you going to to go to church? Are you going to pay attention to your word? Are you going to pray? And you continue to be gentle as you approach us, as you speak into our lives. And and we're praying now, would you help us to be that to each other? Gentle listeners, people that are engaging with each other. People that are eager to build into church life with one another, to learn what it is not to be alone, and instead to, to be a place of belonging to really take that responsibility on because this place is what men know and our friends and our neighbors and family, they, they want this. So help us to live into the fullness of all this is. I'm gonna pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.